Welcome to the In Your 20s podcast, where we figure out what the f- we're doing in our 20s. Hey, 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 it's your girl Tina with an H, and welcome back to another episode of In Your 20s. Is it just me, or does anyone else feel like they're spending a shit ton of money recently? Like, every single time that I think I've got my finances in check, something else is requiring money from me. I don't know if maybe it's just because of seasonal depression, so everyone is like, I want to spend money on things that will make me happy. Like, for example, I'm going to Nashville with my friends for my birthday weekend in April. So I've been spending money trying to plan that. I did a photo shoot for the podcast recently, which I cannot wait for you guys to see the pictures. But I invested money into that. I'm starting therapy this week. At the time of this recording, I actually have my therapy appointment later on in the day. So I'm also investing money in that. And I don't know, I'm trying to figure out what the right balance is of what I shouldn't be spending money on. If you guys are interested in my personal financial journey, let me know because I think I need to really just look at all of the costs and figure out what I need to break down and whatnot. Speaking of therapy, so like I said, I'm starting and I'm feeling really good For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you'd know that I told myself that I was going to find a therapist in 2021, which I didn't. And then I changed the goal of mine to find a therapist before I turned 24. Two months shy of 24, actually a little less than two months shy. And I finally found one. I found one, I think back in January, but we just didn't fit. I was looking for someone who is a woman who's a person of color, someone who could be seen as like a cool auntie figure, so to speak. I didn't want them to be super close to my age, but I didn't I didn't want there to be like a generational divide, so to speak. I found this woman who's actually based out in California. I did want to find someone who was on the East Coast so that way I could chat with them on my morning walks, but we make do and Just our first conversation was really great, and she's a very great listener. Um, So yeah, this first one, it's an ingestion appointment. What that means is that we're just going to spend an hour and a half breaking down everything that's gone on in my life, literally since birth. And she said from there, we're going to be able to figure out why I act the way that I do. (laughs) When I say it like that, it sounds so bad, and it really isn't. But Yeah, I'm super thrilled to just start this journey. It's been a long time coming, and I can't wait to tell you guys more about it. So I will have updates in the next episode. But enough about me. Today's episode, we are sitting down with the founder of Capable Consulting, Alexandra Gilbert. Alexandra reached out to me because she really wanted to share her story of what it was like growing up, having both dyslexia and ADHD, and how it can affect your adulthood. She grew up not having a lot of resources and because she didn't have resources for her learning disabilities, she actually had to switch school districts. Throughout the episode, we talk about her diagnosis, what it's like to function with having a learning disability in your 20s, in your adulthood in general, and how you can be more communicative in the workplace. So that way your higher-ups understand that, yeah, you have a disability, but it's not going to hinder you from doing your work. It's just that you have to adapt in different ways as compared to maybe some of your coworkers. 
We also touch on Capable Consulting, which is, you know, a consulting firm for adults who are being diagnosed with having a learning disability because, fun fact, a lot of people don't realize that they have ADHD or dyslexia until they're in their adulthood. This is a topic that I knew pretty much nothing about, and Alex was so kind and was so helpful in terms of really describing her story and debunking myths, basically. So I cannot wait for you guys to listen, and without further ado, let's get into it. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Tina, with an H back with another episode of In Your 20s. Today, I am joined by the founder of Capable Consulting, Alex Gilbert. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on, Alex. I'm really thrilled about this episode, especially because I'm not really well informed on the topics that we're going to discuss. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? And what's a random fun fact you've learned in your 20s? So I am 33. And I am dyslexic and have ADHD. And I was diagnosed when I was eight years old and was really privileged to have all kinds of resources all the way through college. And then when I graduated from college, I had nothing. So I'm starting work like everybody else and had no idea what to do. And I was so depressed and frustrated and really was struggling a lot in my 20s. But I would say my fun fact in my 20s was there's no such thing as a mistake because every single thing that you go through builds on what you need for your future. And I wouldn't take any of those things back. I love that. I was, I forget where I saw this, but someone had said to me, actually, I didn't see it. Someone said to me that you should never use the word failure because what are you failing at? Anytime you might make a mistake, it's actually a lesson that you can apply so that the next time you have to do something, it's not going to be a failure. It's going to, you've already learned from it and you're going to succeed at it. Totally. And I actually, when I think of failure, a lot of people who have a learning disability or ADHD constantly feel like failures. And it's really about setting yourself up for success by setting the expectations that are realistic. So in your 20s, you are not going to do everything perfectly. You are not going to find the perfect apartment or the perfect like significant other or find the first perfect job. It just, it's just not real. So you're not failing. That's The realistic expectation is that these are learning experiences, and that's okay. Definitely okay. You mentioned that you were diagnosed at the age of eight years old. How did that go about? Were you in school and you were just having a lot of struggles and you told your parents and your parents were like, okay, let's go see? What's that story? So it's a very interesting story because I knew I was kind of different because everyone else seemed to be able to read things off the cuff. I was memorizing full books, even chapter books, and thought that's what reading was until it got really, really big. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. And my my parents were like packing me for sleepaway camp. And my mom goes, do you want me to pack you any books? I go, why? I can't read. She was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, I knew you didn't like to read. I just didn't know that you couldn't. And then we went to my school district and my school district was basically said, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with her. My teachers were saying I was really articulate. I could follow along in class. What are you talking about? So they wouldn't provide any testing for me whatsoever. And my parents were sitting here saying, if she's vocal enough to say she can't read, there's probably an issue. 
So I went, um, my parents, again, I really had the privilege that my parents were able to afford outside testing. And we found out I was dyslexic and had ADHD and a few other learning disabilities, but those are the main ones. And yeah, so our school district then still wouldn't provide any services. So we had to move to a new town so I could actually get things like a resource room teacher and get extra time on tests and separate testing facility because I wasn't going to get anything there. And it was really, what's really heartbreaking to me is that I looked at the two school districts again recently and nothing's changed. The first school district I was in had a one page thing on if your child has learning disabilities or ADHD, here's what you could do at home. And then my school district that I did end up in had like packages of all of these resources of who you can talk to and here's your representative and how do you get an IEP and all these things. So yeah, that sucks. It sucks. That's mind boggling. Yeah. Because also what that's over, it's over well over a decade. Yeah. That, that happened. Yeah. Longer. <laughs> longer. Sorry. I'm 33. It's definitely longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the fact that they're not even considering it a one page resource. Oh, I actually have no words right now because I just, what about the kids? Well, that's exactly my point. That's why so many people don't get diagnosed until their 20s, 30s, 40s, especially women, especially people of color. They get completely misdiagnosed or ignored throughout this entire time because they don't show the same symptoms as this like typical boy who is disruptive in class and driving the teacher insane. They're super talkative. Or even if they were showing exactly the same symptoms, they get ignored. So yeah, that this is why so many people I talk to are like, how did I make it to my 20s? And not know. It's like, well, if you're a person of color or you're a woman or you're both, that's probably why. Like, yeah. And, and I'm sorry. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I'm here as a resource for and help you through that process, no matter what phase you've been diagnosed in. But yeah, it's so, so infuriating. Wow. When you were doing these tests, like, what did the tests entail for the specialist to di- diagnose you with alert- having a learning disability? So it's a lot of psychological testing. It's a lot of reading and comprehension. Um, I actually just found all this paperwork recently. And some of the paperwork said, I could acknowledge certain words, but I didn't realize that words were supposed to make sense. And I thought that was like very profound, you know, that I didn't know that connecting actually made sense. And that's just crazy to me. So it's like different things like that. It's different psychological testing. It's They have different markers. They have different types of tests for different skill sets, and then they measure you every couple of years to see where you are in terms of your skill level in school. And if there's updated pieces that you need to add to your, what they call IEP, which is an individualized education program. So I had extra time on tests. My tests were read to me. I had a separate location. I had a lot of resources, which really helped me in school and in college and really set me up for failure in life because nothing like that exists in the real world. Oh gosh. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into that beforehand. I want to know, how did you feel once you found out and the doctor said to you that you have dyslexia and ADHD? Also, we didn't even really describe what both are. So for those who don't know, what is dyslexia and what's ADHD? Sure. So dyslexia is a reading comprehension issue. And I, and I will also say both of these disorders, ADHD and dyslexia, 
do not affect your intelligence, which I think a lot of people think disability, they automatically think you're less than or quote unquote stupid, or you're incapable of something, which is partially why I came up with capable consulting, because I wanted people to feel capable, but it doesn't affect your intelligence. It is just a different way in which your mind is processing things. I think visually. I literally think visually because of dyslexia. Again, I struggle with math. I mix up my letters. I can't spell if my life depended on it. You know, it's little things like that. ADHD, there's three different types of ADHD. So there's inattentive, which is usually what you typically see in girls. They're a little spacey. They might forget things. They're kind of all over the place in class. You could talk to them and you look, they look like they're listening, but uh, they're not. And then there's hyperactive, which is typically what you think of when you think of those boys who are disrupting class. But for girls, that's usually super talkative. And, you know, people would say, oh, they're just really chatty. That's how girls show that they're hyperactive a lot of times. Also, hyperactive could be hyperactive mind, that they're thinking really quickly and having a lot of thoughts, but they don't outwardly show that. And then there's something called combined, which means you are both hyperactive and inattentive at the same time, which is what I have. So I could pay attention temporarily, also zone out entirely, but I'm also super talkative and it just shows in different ways. All of which I will say makes people unbelievably creative, smart, problem solvers. They just think outside of the box. They're so used to not learning the same way as everyone else that they're constantly reinventing the wheel for themselves. So it's a lot. It's a lot to think about and know that people are out there who have these disorders and are masking it and not talking about it because they feel like they're going to be judged for sharing it out loud. So it's, it's, it's a lot. Society does a great job of putting negative connotations on so many things, even things that you shouldn't have to hide. Yeah. Like, this is who you yeah. are. So why should you have to hide it? It's because society is like, mm. and like you were saying that when someone says, oh, I've got dyslexia or, oh, I'm ADHD. A lot of times people say like, oh, they aren't as mentally equipped. I'll use as like a phrase when that's not the case at all. It's not the case at all, but it's also why so many people go into their offices and never share that they have these disabilities because they don't want to be seen by their boss or their coworkers as someone who can't do their job. But 60% of them get fired from their jobs because they're spending so much time masking and taking on more tasks and really putting their disability actually at the forefront of this and not knowing it because they're just trying to keep up with everybody else rather than acknowledging it. And by acknowledging it, I don't necessarily mean come out and say, I have dyslexia, I have ADHD, I have some kind of learning disability. I always did, but I never asked my, my clients to do that if that's not something they're comfortable with. But it comes down to advocating for yourself. If you know that time management is a real struggle for you, how can you talk to your boss about working on your time management? Can you meet with your boss more often? Can you set up more check-ins? Can you ask them for a list specifically of what they want and when so that you can find a way to plan around it? There's different ways to advocate for yourself, regardless of whether you have a learning disability or an ADHD or you don't. And that's a lot of what I try and talk to people about. That's amazing. That's really incredible. This is the last question I kind of want to talk about your childhood, and then we'll get into college and being in your 20s. But when you were diagnosed, how did you feel? Was there a feeling of relief? I think in some ways, 
yes, and in some ways, no. We moved to a new school district, and the teacher that I had in fourth grade was the most awful teacher I have ever had. Like, I, I actually wrote this on my website about, you know, my, my journey with mental health and how having teachers that were so unsupportive to me just caused me so much anxiety. And I had anxiety before that, but this was like to another level. So at first I felt, okay, like now I'm going to get the help that I need. But then I was in a class where the teacher constantly called me out, called me stupid in front of everybody else, pulled me out of class, screamed at me. He was over six foot four. I was like not even four feet tall in fourth grade, you know, and he's screaming at me. Like I missed so much school because I was so terrified of him. And at the same time, I had the most incredible resource room teacher who I still use some of those skills that she taught me today. And I used, as I mentioned, I memorized everything. That's how I got through. My mom would help me organize things. And she would call my mom and say, stop having her organize, like stop organizing for her. We need her to figure out how she organizes for herself. You know, every time I couldn't understand something, she says, you do understand it. Explain to me exactly what you understand and let's fill in the blanks together. She really saw me as a whole person and really saw my skills and my strengths and helped me build the confidence. But it was such a double-edged sword because I I wanted to go and be with her, even though she also scared me (laughs) because she was really tough. But at the same time, I was so terrified of my teacher and, and being new in school and thinking now all of these kids in my class also think I'm stupid. So it was really hard. It was really, really hard. That sounds so difficult, especially as a young kid, because that impacts you. That impacts your life. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I have uh, I have thought about that a lot. And it's one of those things that, sure, it doesn't serve me. It never served me then. But I didn't realize how much of an impact it had on me until like a couple of years ago when I was thinking about really my like anxiety origin story. Where did that fear of failure, where did that constant need for perfectionism and just imposter syndrome all come into play at the exact same time. And it was really down to that. So yeah, it's hard. Oh gosh. Having them all come to play at the same time. I whew, Yeah, that's a lot. Strength. That's a lot. It's a lot. We talk about imposter syndrome a lot on the podcast. So yeah. it can, it can really just take over and you can really get in your head with it. Oh my God. Yeah. But moving on to college. So you were saying that when you were in college, you still had these really great resources for you to, you know, get your degree. But then after college, you're just thrown into the deep end of adulthood and you all those resources kind of went poof. Pretty much. Yeah. So I I went to Indiana University. So it's a really, really large university. And I definitely struggled as I was trying to navigate this large university system. But I was also very close to the director of disability services there. And she would call me every semester and ask me, you know, oh, you figure this out. Can you talk to this student? And so kind of got down to like, I think junior year. And I said to her, why don't you have a program that's other peer mentors that like help people figure out how to navigate through the system? And she's like, we, we just don't have the time and the motivation. And I was like, okay, can I be your time and your motivation? And she was like, Sure. Um, can you also just meet with the student next week? But I did meet with that student. And then I came in with a PowerPoint presentation of how I was going to create what I called 
peer undergraduate mentor program, which was a mentor retention program to help students with all kinds of disabilities navigate through campus and really figure out how to find the best resources for them, but also have other upperclassmen who could be there to support them and, you know, lead the way. And it won a ton of awards from the city and the university, and I won a lot of awards for it. So I thought, I now figured out how to navigate through high school. I figured out how to navigate through college. I knew how to advocate for myself. I knew how to teach other people. I would be fine. I was not fine. I was not even close to fine because how you advocate for yourself in college and how you talk to your professors in college is not how you talk to your boss in the workplace. It's not how you find the right environment for you in the workplace. It's not based on your skill sets. It is totally apples and oranges. And you can say that in college, like, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Regardless of what phase you're in, or whether you have a disability or not, you're not necessarily prepared for adulting and, you know, paying bills and finding a place to live and managing your workplace, setting boundaries with your workplace, setting boundaries with friends and family through this whole process. There's a lot to juggle. And when you've had resources that have helped you through a lot of that, like I'll I'll say academically and by academically in the workplace, I mean like work-wise and then not have any of those at all. I was depressed. I was really anxious all the time, constantly having panic attacks. And I couldn't seem to figure out why until I was out of my first job. And I was like, oh my God, that's why. That's why I struggle. So I've spent the last like decade working in program and leadership development. And now I'm trying to make that switch to help the people who I knew needed it the most. Yeah. How long were you in that first role before, did you quit? Were you like, I just need to get away from this for a bit? I was in that job for about two and a half years. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, it was a pretty long time. It was a pretty long time. And as I said, I learned a lot, but I also made a lot of mistakes. And some of which, I just made a TikTok about this. I am dyslexic and I spell things wrong. And I was, I I was working in a nonprofit. We were putting this art installation in and I thought I could just use Spelltrack and like get by to make sure everything looked okay. I wasn't saved by Spelltrack. The donation name was made under this woman's name, Phyllis. It didn't come back saying Phyllis. It said phallic. So it was pretty, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. So my boss is like sitting there like, you've got to be kidding me. The people who donated this, who spent an absurd amount of money were like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was mortified. There was a sticker and calm down. But yeah, no, I definitely, (laughs) I definitely made my mistakes. It was, um, I learned a lot, which is someone else proofread my stuff. Oh my gosh. (laughs) While you're in that role, did you tell your boss that you um, had dyslexia? Yeah. I I mean, I talked about it so openly to the point where I would talk about it in any job interview I've ever had. I felt like I have so many skills because of my dyslexia and ADHD that I never saw it as a bad thing to share it because I thought that's what actually made me unique in a lot of these job interviews. So I did share it, but I think What I misunderstood at the time was when I would talk to college professors and I would talk to teachers and I said, I'm dyslexic and have ADHD, they understood what that meant on the other side. Whereas I told my boss and he was like, okay, cool. I don't know what that means, but whatever. And I would ask for different things to get support and he would constantly tell me no, which by the way is illegal. I also didn't know that at the time. I could have pushed a lot harder, but you know, here's things in your 20s that you don't know. 
if you have something like this, or you have some kind of mental health issue, and it is it is acknowledged by, you know, doctors or professionals in some way, you're protected by, you know, the ADA, the American Disabilities Act. I asked for noise canceling headphones, I asked to be in a different space, because I was in the main office, and I was constantly being interrupted 75,000 times a day. So to focus on anything was so difficult. So yes, I did say something, but I wasn't getting the support I needed. Excuse my language, but that's such bullshit. (laughs) Yep. A hundred percent. Again, things you learn in your twenties that you will never do again. Oh my goodness. I'm sitting here baffled. So if someone was in that position right now Mm -hmm. and their boss says no, or like they just keep the boss keeps shooting them down. Do you take it to HR? Would that be the next person to go to? You could talk to HR for sure. Sometimes actually even talking to HR might be the best move depending on the size of the company. The organization that I was in was fairly small. So HR was more like financial stuff than it was like truly human resources stuff. So I really didn't have that option. I would say in a bigger company, I would talk to HR first and say, these are my needs. I'm going to take a step back from that, which is a few things. One, it's important to know yourself, to know the right questions to ask so that when you're interviewing, you know if it's actually the right environment for you. So that's number one. Number two, acknowledging that you need support. You need to know very specifically what that looks like. Because you could say, hey, I have ADHD, I need support. And they're HR or your boss is going to say, okay, that's fine. Maybe, <laughs> hopefully, if you're in the right environment, you know, if they're not an asshole. They will if they're exactly if they go by the book, which they should, which is not often said, but part of what you're filtering out to make sure you're in the right environment, you need to know what that support looks like. So for me, I needed to be in a much more quiet space in order to focus. I wanted headphones because I needed to be able to cancel out whatever movement and sound was coming from the side. You need to know what that looks like in these different environments. And right now, you know, a lot of people are still working from home and a lot of companies are moving permanently from home. So what are your needs at home? You know, that could be not having meetings starting at a certain time because it takes you too long to focus to start a meeting at nine o'clock. You know, the These are different things you can ask. And a lot of people don't know that interviews when you're interviewing for a job goes both ways. You are allowed to ask different things about the settings and the support. And you don't have to, again, expose that you have a disability or you don't, but you can acknowledge what your needs are to make sure that you are doing the job to the best of your ability. And this is what you need to do that. Nice. Wow. I'm like, I'm learning so much right now that I'm so glad. <laughs> as you keep going, I'm trying to absorb it all in. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah. wow. Like be, there are a lot of, these are the conversations that we don't have enough. No. And I'm in such awe. That's why I was very excited to like reach out and do this because I'm like, okay, come on in your twenties. You can, you can do this. You can make this better. We, I can help you make this better. A lot of people can help you make this better. You know, us millennials are worth something. I promise to all of you Gen Zers. I promise. <laughs> hey. Not just my side part I and my high-waisted jeans, like my high-waisted jeans. I have knowledge. I could be there. <laughs> hey, I love millennials. I thought I was a millennial up until like two years ago when they said, no, Tina, you're born in 98. You're a part of the Tide Pod generation. They didn't say Tide Pod, but I refer to us as 
the Tide Pod. Oh my god, that that whole thing was terrifying. Exactly, it's such a niche because only the people that are Gen Z, like whatever the younger generation is, they're not gonna have any idea when I reference us as a uh, Tide Pod generation. Um, but I hope they don't. By the way, <laughs> I don't want them getting on TikTok and doing it. That. That shit was scary. It was a really Ugh. bad trend. Not not one yeah. of my favorites. To, no, definitely not. To circle back with being in your 20s, you were saying earlier that a lot of times people don't get diagnosed with having dyslexia, mm-hmm. ADHD, or mm-hmm. any type of learning disability until yeah. they're in their 20s, their 30s, sometimes maybe even later. So, yeah. you know, answer this as you see fit, but how would a 25-year-old, not even to put a number on it, how would... How would a 20-something realize that, hey, maybe I should go see a doctor. Maybe I need to seek help. So I've been having this conversation a lot recently, and it's actually because of TikTok. Because so many people on TikTok are talking about symptoms they didn't know were ADHD, and they've been experiencing them since they were a kid, and it was one of those aha moments. I would say what you start with really is up to you. And I don't think any of these are the wrong answer. You could, if you wanted to have an official diagnosis, you don't necessarily have to have an official diagnosis to get support. But if you were looking for an official diagnosis, that's something you would talk to your doctor about. There's a number of different tests that they do. I also have joked about this many times. There are a lot of steps in finding out if you have a learning disability or ADHD and that in itself is a test because usually those people are the ones who struggle with follow through. It's a lot of steps. So you could go that route and talk to a doctor and, and do that whole support. You could also start with a therapist, which a lot of people during the pandemic have been seeking out therapy more, which is also why people are getting diagnosed at a higher rate right now, because they're now acknowledging the fact that they've had these symptoms since they were a kid and this is what it looked like. So getting the support of a therapist to maybe deal with the trauma of not being diagnosed or the symptoms that you had been diagnosed. The other piece is what I do, which is coaching, which is getting the support you need on a day-to-day basis so that you can filter your day and structure your day in a way that actually makes sense to you so that you can stop procrastinating and actually focus on the things that you want to do and really accomplish what you're looking to do, whether it's to just feel less overwhelmed or really push yourself in your career and make it to the next level. And that's what you're looking to do. As I said, none of those steps are wrong. It really is about finding the piece that makes the most sense to you. And I will also say you could do all of those things at the same time. You know, I work with a therapist. I work with a coach myself. I had talked to a doctor when I was younger. I'm not on medication myself, but a lot of my clients are, and that is such a personal choice, and I'm not pushing in either direction that is really, some people think it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to them, and other people don't see that it's necessary for them. Again, none of those are wrong. It has to feel right to you, and so that's my advice of what you can do to figure it out. Awesome, and also with all of that being said, I feel something that we really need to take away from this episode is that having a disability does not and does not have to hinder you. Not at all. Because you're doing all these things and you also, you're a founder of a company <laughs> yes. and you have these disabilities. Yes. It's actually like, very typical, I will say, of someone who has dyslexia and ADHD to be entrepreneurs. Like if you were to look up dyslexic entrepreneurs or 
or ADHD entrepreneurs, I, the list is crazy, crazy long because we're, re, we're used to reinventing the wheels for ourselves over and over again. We don't like working for other people because we work so differently and we don't like the structure that's set up by somebody else. We need to do it our own way. So yes, absolutely. I work for myself and I'm capable of doing all of those things. But I also want to acknowledge that that's super common that if you were to meet somebody later, like if you're meeting somebody in their 20s and later on you find out they're an entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Yep. I can totally see that. Speaking of, let's just talk about capable consulting. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So I do two parts of my company. One is the one-on-one coaching where I talk to people who have learning disabilities and or ADHD or really just someone who's overwhelmed and could just use the extra support. And through that coaching, I have this whole piece that I call best principles versus best practices. So best practices is what you typically hear all the time. Like here's the best five things or here's five of the best things that you can do to manage your ADHD in the workplace. They're very generalized, you know, they might work for you, they might not. We were talking about failure in the beginning of this podcast. If you try all of those things, you've tried 700 times, they don't work for you. You look at that and say, I'm the failure, when really you're not the failure, the system failed you because that was made for somebody else, not made for you. So I like to think of this as best principles, meaning we have the same goals in mind of how we want you to succeed, but how we're going to do it is really tailored to you. We go at your pace and figure it out in a way that makes sense to you. So that's how my coaching works in terms of my strategy. And I do, you know, weekly or biweekly. And then I also do something called a strategy session. So if you are, if you have a very specific project, like for example, the last person who I was working with for a strategy session was just looking to apply to some new jobs and was really trying to find the right environment for them. So we went over different skill sets that they had and what kind of support they would need. And then we met twice so that he could figure out what he could ask on those job interviews so he could find the right position for him. So that's one part of my business. And the second part of my business is when I work with companies and organizations to really make them much more inclusive to those who have learning disabilities and ADHD. A lot of the time people think of disabilities, they think of developmental they think of intellectual, they think of autism spectrum, they don't necessarily think of somebody who has a learning disability or ADHD, which is majority of the people who are actually in the workplace who have a disability. So I'm trying to find ways that they can build the structure of their company to be much more supportive and talk to different managers about communication styles and how we can really make this easier for everybody and allow people to thrive. Because when you set somebody up, it's in no matter what the situation is, they're going to be so much more productive if they feel supported, regardless of a disability or not. So that's really the two pieces of my business. How long have you been doing capable consulting? So I officially, officially launched on in April of 2021. Woo! So we're close. I know. We're almost at the one year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really exciting. How has it been? been? It's been a lot of ups and downs. I was just talking to my coach yesterday about this, of the aha moments I've had over the last, you know, several months and almost a year of this. I've had this idea in my head since I was 16, but actually making it happen is another thing. I will also say that one of the aha moments that I had recently was about working. And I 
always had jobs that were really, really hard. And I didn't understand that you could have a job that was, was challenging, but not hard. And if that makes sense, like everything that every step of everything I was doing, I was constantly overcompensating for. And now because I'm working for myself and going on my strength and doing what I prefer to do, it's not hard and I'm much more relaxed and I'm much more productive. And that is so exciting. Okay. You're going to make me cry. Uh (laughs) Don't cry. Only, only good tears. Only good tears. No. Oh, of course they are fully good tears, but it's just, I get really emotional and really happy when I hear people who, like you said, you've had this idea since you were 16 and Mm -hmm. now you're over here doing it and you feel such a satisfaction Mm -hmm. from doing something that you know is making an impact. Like you're such a change maker in this industry. Um, Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm just, I'm... You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh no. We should have I should have said in the email before recording, make sure you bring tissues. <laughs> I always have tissues. I actually also made a TikTok about that. You can always find me because you'll find a trail of tissues. Because it's something you do with ADHD. It's like out of sight, out of mind. I like always need to make sure I have tissues by. Because you yeah. never know when you're gonna need them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, Alex, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. It's been quite the honor. Before we go, is there a piece of advice or anything you'd like to share with the In Your 20s community? I would say, I was just talking about this recently, but after living in New York City for almost 10 years, I loved the show Avenue Q. And one of the songs in Avenue Q said, "Um, except for death and paying taxes, everything in life is only for now. And I think that that was one of the most profound messages I actually heard at 18 before I was going to college. And has really taken me through to, you know, my 30s and probably beyond because anything you are struggling with in your 20s, know that it is just for now, it will not be forever. And it's okay to acknowledge that it's really hard and feel the challenge of it. But it's going to help you in the future. So it's only for now. And it will get better. That's beautiful. And I think that's a great way to end the episode. Alex, where can people find you? Capable Consulting. Also, you need to let us know what your TikTok is. Yes. Plug them all. Yeah. So I, um, I'll, this crowd in their 20s, why am I saying Facebook and LinkedIn? Oh, we use You're much both. More, we use both. Okay. I'll acknowledge those two, but I'll start with Instagram and TikTok. It's I am capable and I spell cape, C-A-P-E. So capable. Um, so it's Instagram, it's I am capable and TikTok, it's I am capable. And then Facebook and LinkedIn. It's Capable, C-A-P-E, Consulting, LLC. So that's on Facebook and LinkedIn. And then my website is capableconsulting.com. So any of those, you will find me. Awesome, guys. I'm going to have all of those links in the show notes. So definitely check out Alex. Check out Capable Consulting. Make sure you are liking her TikToks and make sure you follow along because this is just the beginning. Like it's only up from here. So Alex, thank you again for coming on the show. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of In Your 20s. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review or rate the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. My name's Tina with an H and I'll catch you next Wednesday.